Candy. 2000 Security System Online. You're listening to the Kate Podcast. Intruder Alert. You are listening to the Blockade Podcast. I am your host, Chris Freebus, a.k.a. Shut Your Trap. With me, as usual, from down under, in Aussie land, home of the buff kangaroo, is Jared Moores. Hello, hello. Also with us, uh, who's uh, taken a small sabbatical away, but we have things for him to do, and he is very much needed, it's the lovely Bonzo. Guten Tag. Well, it's been a few months since uh, we've actually had more than just uh, myself and Jared in here. Um, yes, the Jeff, graveyard shift, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, Jeff was, uh, was saying he was maybe going to be available, but then he said that um, he hadn't been playing much pinball lately, and so he didn't have anything to talk about, and which makes me wonder, does he even listen to our podcast? Cause <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't. <laughs> It's not like you have to talk pinball in here. I mean, come on. <laughs> you know, I I, I sampled a, a, a few different uh, pinball podcasts, and I came away with this understanding. All they talk about is pinball. <laughs> yeah, what's up with that? Well, you know, I, I it's because we talk about pretty much exclusively, it seems, uh, the pinball arcade, so virtual pinball, and we don't talk that much about actual pinball. Hmm. We can only talk about what happens <laughs> if Farsight is doing anything, um, you know, worth talking about. Whereas hmm. in the pinball world, there seems to be, you know, there's expos and there's new tables coming out, or you can talk about, you know, uh, restoring machines, whatever. We're just on the playing end, so we don't always have enough uh, pinball material to fill up an entire show. Hey, mate, it, it could make for really short shows. Maybe that's what people are trying to tell us. <laughs> 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 well, too bad, people, because you know what I'm going to talk about? I'm going to talk about what I think should basically be a uh, an official blockade holiday, which is free Slurpee Day at 7-Eleven. Oh, yeah. Now, I know for uh, for Jared, uh, because you know his country abides by that uh, silly notion that seems every other country but America does, where you actually put the day, then the month, then the year, so therefore your 7-Eleven isn't until November. Um, mm. Us here in the good old United States of America, 7 stands for July, and that's July 11th, which just happened to pass by. Uh, so I hope all those out there listening, you partook of your free Slurpee. I did my part and uh, chugged a few. Did you go and do your usual trick of going to like about eight different outlets and just going hard? and, and I did not go line? to as many uh, this time. <laughs> we, we we started off the day by just bringing our, our cups for refills um, because we were just going to be having some lunch, and it was like, I don't feel like driving around just to get these at the moment. So we started off with a full Slurpee, and then later on in the day hit a couple uh, to fill up with. But I did come across some interesting stats. Number one is that... You Aussies drink a ton of Slurpees, <laughs> just like us in the U.S. Oh, we do? Apparently, you're, like, one of the largest consumers. Um, it's so bloody hot here, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> on uh, on the uh, free giveaway day, 
in America, they serve out something to the tune of 500,000 uh, gallons of free slurpee. Oh. And in right. Australia, they kick out 270,000 gallons. Jeez. And then, and then, <laughs> Say in the course, five <laughs> and then in the course of a year, worldwide, they sell 7.3 million gallons of Slurpee a year. Jeez. For which my wife says I probably consume half of it. <laughs> <laughs> so That's anyway, a lot of uh, delicious, delicious frozen drink. But hey, I can see why they do it because it, it's really great. I don't know if you guys have it over there, but we have a, a range of Slurpee here called Zilched. It's um, 0.1% sugar. Yeah, it's basically sugar-free Slurpee. Does um, it have the nasty aftertaste though? It totally does. Yeah, <laughs> it's part of the experience. <laughs> The, the Caribbean flavor is has this most incredible, strange aftertaste to it that um, makes you almost reconsider your decision to go sugar-free. I think I'd almost go, give me the diabetes and let me have you know the the full the full gob slurpy things. Um, my my kid just tried the uh, sour watermelon, sour patch kids sour watermelon. And oh, that one's he didn't just, freaking revolting. He didn't just, yeah, he didn't just try a little sample. He filled up the entire cup with it. And his logic was, Whoa, well, I'm going to get myself flame. used to it. And, yeah, he got through about half of it and was just like, I'm done. I can't do anymore. <laughs> it's pretty rough. Yeah. I wish they'd just make the normal flavors, like Coke or cola flavor, as zilch. They do. Oh, Well, they zilch. don't have it here. Yeah, as, as zilch. Like, we, we would... If they just had essentially Diet Coke Slurpees, I don't think I'd drink anything else. <laughs> I think I'd just go with that all day because it's great. Oh. But, yeah, that fake fruit flavor just kills me. It just makes you want to gag. Yeah, it's all kinds of nasty. Do uh, Bonzo, yeah, do you guys right. have the, uh, the the frozen Slurpees there in Germany? Um, yeah, but they aren't really that big of a thing because maybe we don't have a real summer here most of the time. So then the fact that you have like you know, real desserts. <laughs> we have real desserts. We have great real desserts. We have great food altogether, yes. I'd say. Yeah, you do. It's not much else. Uh, else. Great beer and quite okay food. <laughs> yeah. And then, yep. and then we have here where uh, one of our local uh, fast food joints, Carl's Jr., is doing the All-American Burger, which is a hamburger or a cheeseburger with a hot dog on top of it with uh, potato chips and I can't remember if there's some other just insane topping on it but it's just like an entire picnic in a bun. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, that sounds nuts. We have this uh, wonderful America. little imbus here, um, Bonzo, that does a pork knuckle sandwich um, and it is like a slow-cooked pork knuckle with... Um, they use it with chips on the side, uh, like fries on the side, and um, they usually have an accompaniment. You can have the kraut or um, this nice, uh, um, what is it, uh, coleslaw-style stuff. Man, it is just... And they also serve half-liter beers at this place as well, which is like, all right, well, you sold me on that, so let's go and have a pork knuckle burger and a half-liter of beer, please. <laughs> it's so good, man. Uh, there are great of uh, uh, a lot of great imbisses <laughs> here in Germany, but um, what I do miss from the one time I've been to America is the the uh, amount of different chains 
we've we've got uh, McDonald's and Burger King. We got uh, Pizza Hut and Kentucky Fried Chicken, and I think that's it. And uh, that's it. That's just sad. I've I, I've never been to In and Out, and I've heard Chris talk about it so much. <laughs> and I've and, experienced it too, and whatever there last year, it's pretty it's pretty incredible. And 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 when I was there, we went to Wendy's and Jack in the Box and all that different Ugh. kind of chains and. Um, some of them weren't that great, okay, but um, if, if the only alternative you have is uh, McDonald's or Burger King, that gets boring really fast. Yeah. Hey, it would make you a healthier country because you wouldn't have all these opportunities to imbibe in, in terrible, terrible fast food. So. <laughs> well, <laughs> we got great beer, so... <laughs> so that makes up for it. Yeah. <laughs> Which would you rather have, the great beer or fast food joints? Hmm. Uh, great beer. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Like a true Aussie. <laughs> oh, hey, you know, uh, we we have a new thing that did pop up with the pinball arcade, and that is they finally instituted tournaments for the PC. Hooray! Hooray! Everybody, I don't say that with any sort of sarcasm in mind. It's about bloody time for the PC crowd. <laughs> like it is about bloody time. the The amazing part for me, I had not played in one of Farsight's tournaments um, in probably over a year. I had been playing them on the PS3, but then when there was the whole shenanigans of them not selling the seasons ahead of time, I never bought any of Season 3 on the PS3. So as soon as any of the tournaments started having Season 3 tables, I stopped playing any of the tournaments. I also, at the same time as I stopped playing those tournaments, was around the same time that I was kind of not playing much Pinball Arcade either. I was kind of burnt out. And it's amazing the feelings that this tourney brought back in me. Like, the whiny, sniveling baby feelings that I had. <laughs> the, bitter, the bitter loser feelings? Oh, guy! Oh. I'm telling you, I've got to change how I play this. If I'm going to play the, t- the next tournament, I've got to change how I do it, because it literally just sucked the life out of me. <laughs> but don't you... Do you also play in the tournament of the month? You do, don't you, right? Well, yeah, of course I do. I kind of run the damn <laughs> yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. So well, how is it different um, playing that in comparison to the Farsight 20-minute grind fest? Well, in Bonzo can maybe pitch in, because you played in the PC tournament too, right? I did, a little. A little. So here's, here's what happens with me. The tournament starts. I immediately jump in. I'll play all eight tables just so I post a score. This particular tournament, four of the eight tables were Gottlieb's. So right off the bat, yeah, right off the bat, I was in a bad mood. Um, and I only knew well three of the tables, which was uh, Ripley's, Cactus Canyon, and there is a third one that I'm forgetting that I knew really well, and I kind of know Space Shuttle, but I suck horribly at Space Shuttle. Um, so it's one of my anyway, favorites, that game. <laughs> so I anyway, I, I I joined in the tournament and I you know posted my scores, and then I was like, well, let's go knock out Ripley's real quick and uh, uh, see what we can do on that in 20 minutes. So I go through, and I posted pretty good score, and I looked at then the leaderboards, and the top two spots are taken by uh, what I consider to be hackers. I don't know if one of them for sure uh, is, but uh, the other one uh, definitely was. And no, I'm not going to say the names because you know they don't need the publicity. Um, no, no. But anyway, 
their scores though were such that I was like, oh, I can reach this. I can I can get that. And oh, wouldn't that feel good to knock off you know a hacker? So yeah. I pretty much ignored all the other tables and just went <laughs> nuts trying to to knock out Ripley's. And I knew my strategy. I knew exactly what I needed to do. It was going to take three continent tours to get through to 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 do it. Um, I got to the point where I was literally just playing maybe three of the continents for score and everything else I was almost letting drain immediately um, just to, to run through as fast as I possibly could. And I almost had it one time, and it was it came down to the, to the all I need to do is activate two times multiplier and then shoot the continent scoop, and I'd be in heaven, and I had all of a minute left to do this in. And I oh. shot the ball, and I missed the two times, and I hit the continent scoop instead, and that just blew my score. And I was so angry. Um, oh man! So I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there, just hammering away, hammering away on this, and I keep on checking my status because they had me start in bronze level, um, and apparently they had people in silver and gold, which was interesting since nobody had been playing on the PC yet. But I think they took yeah. whoever had been in previous tournaments, you know, since they have the same account, and just kind of dumped them in that way. Um, okay. So I was just trying to stay within, you know, advance to the to the silver level. That was what my whole point was, and I figured, hey, so long as I have a good Ripley score, all is well. So it's now probably about Wednesday or Thursday. So it's been four days of me just hammering on Ripleys and doing nothing much else. Mm. And all of a sudden, Viking Eric gets aware of the tournament. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's all over. <laughs> and. So the score I needed to achieve was probably about 190 million. I had posted 170 million. He comes in and he knocks in. I want to say 400 or 450 million. Uh, Just completely pulls the rug out from under me. I was like, I don't even know how he did it. He posted how he did it, and I was just like, I don't even know that trick. And I pretty much, you know, threw the controller down and was like, "Okay, so I'm not playing Ripley's anymore." <laughs> Rage quit. See you Rage later. Quit. And 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 here's where here's where it got me back to the feelings of why I stopped playing Pinball Arcade. Was now I didn't even want to play Ripley's for fun. Yeah. It was just like I was just kind of like soured and angry, and and I'm sitting there watching my score, and I'm like. I was like right at the tail end of the silver of being able to advance, so I kept on trying to improve my other scores. But like I said, with the other, with the four Gottliebs, I have no clue what I'm doing in those, nor do I really want to know. And so I wasn't really going to get much improvement of the score there. And uh, at the end of the day, when the tournament ended, they took the and I'll just throw this out as I'm not sure if it's exactly true or not, but they took the top forty. I placed forty first. <laughs> oh, oh, dude! Oh, I literally I'm so just sorry. I won, <laughs> so I, I was just like, "I'm the first loser." Um, first loser. First loser. <laughs> so I've determined that I, I have a new way that I'm going to approach the tournament, and that'll be the only way to keep me happy. Uh, because here's the thing: even within the twenty-minute time limit, the majority of your scores tend to be the same score. It's just you're it's like nine out of ten, you're shooting, you know, the same score, and then it's that tenth time that you get the really good bump up, right? Yeah. And that's where that's where I like our tournament better because it's truer to yeah. what you would on average score. 
rather than just yeah. grinding for that that one fluke moment. Yeah. Um, until people well, like Viking true. come in and just you know show exactly what <laughs> they can do on a regular basis. Um, yeah. But no, I think the next time that the Farsight runs their tournament, I'm just gonna pick probably give myself two days and maybe say uh, each table I'll give myself five tries. And whatever my score is, that's my score. And I'll just be happy with it and play with it that way. Because um, I don't need the stress. <laughs> no. if, you're, if you're getting stressed when you're playing pinball, you're doing it wrong. Like, exactly. It's not what it's designed to do. Um, but, I really... But I, I, I'm, I'm kind of stressed during the tournament of the uh, month, but that's the good kind of stress. It's it's fun, it's, it's, it's intense, and it's... Uh, well, it's it, it can be terribly uh, crushing, but uh, still in the, <laughs> end, in, the, in the end it's a lot of fun. But uh, grinding, 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 grinding isn't fun. It's, it's no, it's not. It's boring. As as you just said, Chris, the the, the tables, even your favorite table, um, you can't stand to play it anymore. At least for a, a couple of weeks after the tournament. Yeah. And. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's not really a, a test of skill. It's it's uh, well, you you have to be skilled. You, I'm not Viking Eric by no means, but um, I guess he also invested some more time than I did. And I think a lot of people who who ended up uh, bef- in front of me in the rankings just invested more time. It, it was quite a busy week for me, and I just started with the tournament in uh, the last three days, the last weekend it was on, and um, I had trouble. I, I think I didn't even play every table four or five times. I think mm. I didn't. I didn't even play Twilight Zone. I forgot to play Twilight Zone. Oh yeah, so Twilight Zone. Seven, seven tables, and and um, well, I I, I felt um, bullied into playing the game, kinda, and and oh. um, that doesn't happen with with our tournament because you you have the set time. It's it's half day or it's a day since the last round, and uh, you just play eight games, and that's. Even if even yeah. if it's, even if it were three tables, you could basically uh, play on and on, even without extra boards. Even if it was if, if if it was Twilight Zone, Ripley's, and I don't know Arabian Nights, I'd still have fun playing two games on these uh, these three tables. But uh, it's not yes. fun playing Ripley's for twenty minutes twenty times. Well, and no. that's it. I th- <laughs> I think that when you have a limited amount of time, it's you just if you have a bad performance, you just have to laugh it off. Whereas yep. with you, when you have a week of being able to play a table as many times as you want, you stop laughing it off and it becomes this mission. And here's the interesting thing, though. I don't have a problem like grinding for the wizard goals, but I think the whole point of that is because once I ach- there is there is a victory. You know, if you achieve yeah. the goal, you can raise your hands and go, "Ha! Oh, I finally got it." Whereas with this. It would be grind, 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 and uh, oh, congratulations! I placed twentieth. <laughs> you know, so yeah. like, I think that's where it kind of killed the mojo. So I mean, I know it's perfectly fun for a lot of people, and I, and again, I'm happy that we finally have tournament in the PC. Very I mean, it's so, like, yeah. mm, you know, thank God it's finally there because a, a lot of people do need to experience it and and have fun doing it. But I just need to curb how I have fun with it. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I kind of get what you guys are saying about you know looking at the leaderboards, going, "Ah, oh, I can, I can totally get that," and then working out like when you have a, actually have a look at the leaderboards, someone else is on there with like a phenomenal score above yours. So yeah. we're doing 
we're doing beta testing at the moment for um, Safecracker. Right. Um, and it's going really spoiler well. Spoiler alert. Yeah, <laughs> spoiler, like really. <laughs> Everyone knew it was going to be this table because of uh, the incredible analytics that the Pimble Arcade Forum has for trying to deduce the table um, from the clues. Um, <laughs> so anyhow, we're doing a... Um, we're, I'm playing away and... Like I'll I'll say this that I've never had ball times the same on the real safe crackers I've have had in the uh, the far sight version. Um, like I'm lucky to crack um, probably around a hundred thousand in the actual game because it's a it's a point scored on dollar value um, uh, rather than actual like normal score and. Um, so I'm going around, I'm playing this, what is, I think, a marathon game. I got, like, to 8 million, which is unheard of in a real yeah. game. And I go, oh, right, okay, I'm going to have a look at the leaderboards now. And, you know, I expected not to be on the top. I expect to be pretty close. Turns out that at the time of recording, um, Pinball Wiz was up there with an 11 million score, which is pretty good. I'm sort of in the vicinity. But then... Ryan Schwanter, who's one of the um, the uh, Farsight guys, posted a score of 38 million. <laughs> <laughs> and I just went, I actually, I posted the beta testing here and said, dude, what the hell? How the hell did you get that score, man? <laughs> it was ridiculous. I said, how long did that take you? Because <laughs> I, I reckon I would have been plugging away for about half an hour to get 8 million. So... I don't know how long it was. Long like, he was like I'm going to collect every single token that's in this machine on one quarter. <laughs> but the, well, the problem is that I, I, this is something I've just never realized because I don't have game times like this on, on the real table, but when you start getting up into that sort of score level, you have you know entered the, the board game a number of times, and yeah. that thing, I tell you what, it screws down <laughs> the access to the uh, board game Really tightly. <laughs> like yeah. you've got normally when you shoot the um um not the very target. I think it's called a very target. Yeah, yeah the one the, the little very, one. Very. Yep, the very target. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. Um, so when you are shooting that very target, um, you can unlock things that will help you during the board game, like vault letters, for example. It's a really good thing to go for, um, when you're um playing the game. But, um. Normally, it, the way that the stock settings go on the game is you'll get maybe a couple of vault letters um, per game if you're good enough to keep the ball live after the time it has expired. And I was shooting for that very target, which I'll admit is actually pretty easy to hit um, in this game. It's really, really... It doesn't have a very strong virtual spring in it. And the real table, you have to pound on that thing to get it to go all the mm. way back. Like you have to have such a targeted direct shot at it for it to actually go all the way back and let the ball drop in behind it. Like um, you have to f really be accurate with shooting it. But really, with this one, you just sort of get the ball anywhere near it and it goes halfway back. So um, it's really easy to get those awards that are quite crucial to the game, and that's how you can get such long ball times in this particular table. Um, uh... But yeah, thirty-eight, mi 38 million, dude. <laughs> you well, just I, I trust that, you know, then you're you're gonna you're gonna hammer for it to be uh, harder. <laughs> well, I've been trying. Like, uh, I think the I think the flippers, the way they're dialed in in the beta at the moment, they 
they're typically just too strong, which is the same across most Farsight tables. They've just got yeah. ultra ultra flippers, um, and those because on this table they're all, they're little mini flippers. They're little twilight it's upper two right, inch. yeah, yeah, the little two inch twilight upper left flipper, um, and they're all the flippers in the game. So they don't really have a lot of power because of their length to start with because you don't have that extra bit of bat to give the extra bit of fulcrum strength that you normally do. Um, so, you know, it takes a little bit of effort to get up the ramp, but you can just fly this thing up the ramp. It's like it's it's really quite easy to get up there. So I'm, I'm really trying to get them to make it more difficult, but I don't think I'm going to win because they've got to balance it out with people who've never played it before. And some people haven't been lucky enough to play this game before, so they yeah. won't know how it works. But I think once they do learn the secrets of the table, it's going to be a marathon game, unfortunately. And that's not how Safe Crack is supposed to be played. It's supposed to no. rape the quarters from your pocket. <laughs> that's how it's supposed to... It is, it is supposed to send you to the poor house if you're actually putting quarters or dollars into it. It certainly did for me when it was on location when it was new. Boy, I pumped some money into that game. <laughs> Time Zone, which was the arcade it was in, they would have been very happy with me. I reckon I would have pumped in or oh, at least eight hundred dollars into that game, at least. Um, very expensive token collection I have. <laughs> hey, uh, speaking yeah. of uh, tournament, we should uh, maybe run through the June tournament of the month standings, uh, just because we like to give a shout out to everybody that's uh, been playing and how people are scoring. Um, so let's start with our. Uh, we'll just do the uh, top ten. Number ten, uh, Ernie, nineteen seventy-seven. Came in with 34 points. Then we have Snorzel and CCL78 and Great Dane, all tied for 7th place with 35 points. Then uh, tied for 4th place is Ksenia, Captain Bazaar, and myself, Shut Your Trap, with 36 points. 3rd place was Gus with 38 points. And then we had a tie at 1st uh, with Switch 3 Flip. And a uh, brand new player, uh, I'm going to say it's Laz Mama. Um, at 39 points. So those were our top 10 for June. And then Congratulations. That... Yeah. yeah, well done. And then that brings us to the season-to-date standings because we will be having the next tournament starting on July 25th, and this will be our final of this first inaugural season. So uh, we've had we'll, this will make our sixth tournament, and we'll have our ultimate winner. So our top 10 for that is in 10th place, Switch 3 Flip, followed by 9th place, Jared Morgs. Ooh, just snuck followed, in. <laughs> <laughs> followed by 8th place, Ksenia. Then 7th is Eldar of Suburbia. 6th uh, is myself. 5th place, Pinball with 45B. 4th place, Invitro. 3rd place, Dylan H. Second is Captain Bizarre, and first is Gus. Uh, point separation between first place and tenth place. Uh, first place is at 184 points. Tenth place is 155 points. Uh, so basically, between fourth and tenth place, it can all shift this next tournament. Um, that's how tight it is between those placements. Boy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so make sure if you're on that top, top ten list... You don't Practice. miss out otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> Practice. <laughs> Nobody needs that. I'm going to go cold. <laughs> I'm going to fight it in like I always do. <laughs> oh. Hey, um, we have 
the opportunity now and then to speak with Farsight, and uh, we've got a pretty good relationship with them, even though we bash on them now and then, occasionally. <laughs> uh, we provide but, them hey. constructive criticism. That's what it's called. Hey, there we go, constructive criticism. Anyway, uh, way back when, Jeff used to send questions to Bobby, and then Bobby would answer five of them and send them back and then post them on the forum. And we decided that we should talk to Bobby again, and he suggested that we do that once more. So we opened the forums up to forum questions. People were able to ask anything they wanted of Farsight. I emailed those up to Bobby, and he has answered some. So with that, Jared, roll the theme music. Blockade Theater presents Forum Questions with Bobby. Part one. Fantastic theme music, if I do say so myself. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, we're going to read these questions. I do want to uh, just state, because people tend to then read the answers that Bobby has, and they kind of hold farsight to it, and then mock them when things don't happen, so... I'd just like to say this is, yes, it's coming from Bobby, but not everything he says is guaranteed truth because he does have a management team and does have bosses above him that can poo-poo things. So, <laughs> we can, so remember we can, we can, that Farsight's actually a business is what we have yes. to understand here. They're not a mythical creature with unicorns and rainbows that can magic pinball machines into reality. They're called a business, and sometimes things in business don't work out as they plan. So take that as it comes. <laughs> so playing the part of uh, Bobby, just like we had uh, when we did our interview with Ask Homework, Bonzo, did you practice your American accent? I did a little. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> All right. <laughs> let's, let's get into the uh, the interview then. Uh, here we go. Bobby, many are wondering how many more seasons of the Pinball Arcade are planned and what that means for future table choices. Now, obviously we know Season 5 is coming. Do you have a set number of tables you'd like at a minimum? Is it a question of license renewal or the uh, parent companies, or does it purely come down to sales and customer demand? Mostly it comes down to keeping each table that we add profitable. Uh, part of that is paying upfront minimum guarantees to the manufacturers for the table rights. So yes, renewing agreements is also a factor. Right now I'm optimistic that we will continue at least through Season 6. That would add at least 20 more classic tables in Pinball Kate. Which is awesome, because that means another uh, solid two years of Blockade podcast. Um. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's also, too, it's interesting. Just I, I know we want to uh, like run through the interview pretty quick, but it's interesting they have to pay upfront costs and projected earnings. So that's something yeah. I wasn't aware of. Interesting. See, we'll, we'll, we'll glean whatever information we can out of this <laughs> and apply it to our vast knowledge. Uh, speaking of sales, how were the Adams Family sales figures compared to other tables, excluding uh, Toten, since it's free. Uh, what are the top five bestsellers? Well, the Adams Family has been solid. It's been outselling most season three and four tables two to one. It's difficult to compare sales since, since the season one tables have a huge advantage in this ranking. 
single-table sales were much po more popular before season packs were introduced, plus they've been on the market longer. Season pack one is still one of our best sellers each month. Theater of Magic sold individually is actually still number one in terms of individual sales. Star Trek, Black Hole, Ripley's, Medieval Madness, Monster Bash, Twilight Zone, Terminator 2 are all right up there, though. Uh, Adam's Family would be next. Mm. Yeah, that's pretty interesting that season one is still <laughs> just like banging out, which yeah. I think that opens up the thing of, God, remaster season one. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, um, well, it says to me that I could kind of see why Farsight might not be, you know, as, uh, you know, as keen to go through and perhaps give some extra love to those tables because they're selling so well. Like, yeah. um, commercially, uh, if I was in business and if it ain't broke, don't fix it because they're still selling. And, you know, as a consumer, of course, I want to see the, the tables improve, but, I mean, they're doing so well for them. So, uh, yeah, it's a tough argument, <laughs> isn't it, really? It's interesting also not being able to truthfully compare, uh, like he said, with the Season 3 and 4 having been sold as packs right off the bat, whereas Season 1 and 2 weren't sold as season packs right off the bat. It is hard to tell, uh, you know, which sells better in the case of, like, Adam's Family, which I thought would be just, like, skunking everything. But it's like, yeah, everybody already has the season pack, so it's just kind of rolled into that, so it makes it more difficult to compare to uh, to those other ones. Mm, yeah, it's tricky. Moving along. Uh, Bobby, it's been said a few times by Farsight that there really isn't much interest in doing EMs in TPA, whether because of low sales, lack of interest, or the time and effort in scripting them. That being said, Big Shot and Central Park are also hardly shining examples of popular EMs among real-world pinball players. Yet, those are the two you have in the Pinball Arcade to base data off of. Or do you consider Genie and Eldorado lumped in because they are essentially EMs with digital parts? Anyway, with that in mind, are true EMs, not solid-state machines from the 70s, ever going to make another appearance in the Pinball Arcade, or are the chances slim to none? We have, we have a plan to add more EMs to Pinball Arcade while maintaining our scheduled lineup of releasing one solid-state machine a month. Big Shot is consistently one of the most played tables. We keep an eye on a lot of analytics. As I recall, the worst I ever saw Big Shot's ranking in the number of gameplay sessions listed was number 11 one month, so we know there's a market. Our fans definitely wow. enjoy playing Big Shot, and we have noticed, to the surprise of most of us. Yeah, that's a, a big wow. Eleven? Jeez. That's incredible. Um, I mean, for is it, is an it, EM. Number 11, because the gameplays are so short that you just kind of like keep on piling them on? I don't know. That's, that's on the one hand, and on the other hand, it's, it's a table you can just play in between whatever else you're doing. Yeah. Try yeah, that no, with I think it's, or, or Totem. It's a quick so I'm fix. Sure, I'm sure all of our listeners that are uh, EM fans just cream themselves because uh, yeah. <laughs> they're never going to shut up about this now. <laughs> As an aside, I've been listening to um, Nick Baldridge's um, For Amusement Only podcast where he talks about EMs and bingos. And like it's, it's got me fired up, actually, to want to wanna actually play more of these pins because... Um, you know, for various reasons, which I won't go into uh, into in this interview slot, that they seem like a lot of fun, and I'd love to see more. So good on you, Farsight, for doing that. Which brings us to our next question. 
if there is no intention of making more EMs, which obviously they're saying they are, but anyway, I didn't know that when I answered the question. Uh, if there is no intention of making more EMs, and because you hold a license to do so, would you ever consider letting another developer build them on your behalf? Or, if that is not possible, making a new app that features nothing but 1970s and earlier machines? Both of these ideas are possible, but we'll probably add them to Pimblecade. And that would be one of those answers, folks, that you take with a grain of salt. <laughs> yeah, that will be the uh, any time now, real soon. Um, <laughs> we'll be adding those to the game. <laughs> which maybe we add them to Pimble After Dark, huh? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not. Exactly <laughs> yes. We we all know we all know exactly what that question was because and and I should say right off the bat, thank you everybody that did post questions. Um, I'm not reading off whose names read each question because I wound up compiling them because uh, I had like 10 pages worth of questions when I typed them out and I knew that I would just make Bobby freak. So I pared them down, combined them, mushed them together, mashed them up and uh, threw them out there. But, you know, we all know what the what <laughs> what the hope was, was that, yes, we're going to contact Ask and have them do all the EMs. Yeah, that's not going to happen. So, I mean, it's kind of a loaded question. So I'm not surprised that the answer is the... Uh, the proverbial, we'd like to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah. Um, okay, let's uh, let's flip that the other direction, though, and talk about modern stern tables. Apart from licensing issues, the emulation of SAM machines has been said that it can't happen due to older devices and platforms not being able to handle the processing power needed. Are there plans in place to move forward on this? Is there a risk of Farsight losing part of the Stern license to someone like Zen due to not putting out an entire subset of their product? And does the new spike system help or complicate matters? Stern would like to see more of their tables were presented in digital form. Yes, there are plans, but I can't elaborate on the details quite yet. The spike system is a new challenge, but I don't think it will prove to be any harder than emulating SAM. It's a bit of mystery to that one. It sounds like, from that perspective, that perhaps Sam and Spike, uh, apart from having a, dis a distributed computing model in the Spike system, are relatively the same as far as an emulation perspective goes. Yes, um, that's what's happening. So it sounds like all they've done is they've just modularized the the system and gave it a new name by the sound of things. So that's interesting. Right. But and I find it interesting that that he can't uh, he can't elaborate on what their details though are. So. I find that encouraging. Um, obviously, I think I was the one that started the thread <laughs> that uh, yeah. pointed out that Zen had a meeting with with uh, Stern, and that got me all kinds of of wondering. Uh, so, obviously, we know that Farsight owns the license to uh, to Stern tables. So it'll be yeah. interesting to see how they uh, how they go forward with that. I hope, 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 hope they find a solution. Um, I really like to see, as a uh, an aside to that, I think uh, if Farsight were to do that, they could probably actually go and make a bespoke app for that. Yeah. Um, and when they march full steam ahead into uh, Stern production, and we're talking about you know latest digital tables being converted um, and stuff like that, that would be the time to separate um, Pinball Arcade into a Stern app, but also offer it within the core pack as well. Um, yes, because people searching for Stern Pinball on Play Store, that will be a good analytic uh, for them to try and tap into. Moving on, similarly, Capcom Pinball was said to be processor heavy too. Is there anything new to report about that specifically? Will we see any of the seven tables Capcom made in Pinball Arcade? 
I'd be surprised. <clears throat> ah, sorry. <clears throat> I'd be surprised if we don't add a Capcom table or two before the end of season six. But there are still a couple of hurdles. Intriguing. Uh, interesting. Yeah. Very intriguing. Because they have some good tables. They have such a solid sound system in them. They've got great music. Um, and uh, I'd love to see some of those ones in. Absolutely. Uh, it has been said and can be seen that Farsight wants TPA to run on as many devices as possible. When does Farsight finally say, we are no longer able to support this device? Even Microsoft doesn't support Windows XP. Apple is already on iOS 8 when an iPad 1 or 2 or on iOS 5, and the user base of Android that uses anything older than Jelly Bean is like 2%. Are these not a boat anchor to making the game the best it can be? This is a very good point. Yes, it does require some attention to keep the game playable on older devices and older OSs. We've tried hard to not let that least powerful devices hold us back. In fact, as recently as earlier this week, we made a couple decisions that will limit, one, the Android devices that, su that support the new UI we we'll be releasing soon, and two, the OSs that will get updates. Excellent. So, <laughs> that's <laughs> good news. That's good yep. news. That is something in the, uh, in the thread that Baron Rubik started fast up, we're breaking up, is one of the yeah. biggest things that all the Android users were picking up and saying, look, you've got to draw the line in the sand. This is getting ridiculous. And, and I think that ties back to the it. earlier question regarding Stern, that maybe yep. that's part of what's in the works, you know? So it's, uh, think, you know, yeah. who knows? I don't know. It's, it's, puzzle pieces are falling into place. <laughs> I've, I've actually got a, a feeling that that thread is probably give them a bit of a kick in the bum that they might have needed and made them think hard about the business model, which is exactly what we wanted it to do as, as a community. Yeah. So it's good. Uh, just recently, we have seen the implementation of dynamic lighting via DX11 on PC, the uh, introduction, introduction of new <laughs> flipper physics, improved elements such as transparent ramps on mobile devices, and soon increased difficulty on select tables. What is behind this surge of improvements to the game? Is the full of Farsight back to concentrating exclusively on the pinball arcade? And is it finally having the monkey off your back known as the Xbox 360 debacle? Because we like it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for your patience on these improvements. Some things just take time, especially when each member of the team has a full workload. And answer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Translation. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What other things can we look forward to being added to TPA? Uh, ball spin, maybe? Don't think we haven't tried to get spin fully implemented into our pinball physics. It will be a huge change that affects a lot of tuning. Which so it will be cool. a lot of work for Bobby, huh? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Well, yeah. And it might be, again, one of those things where once we get the difficulty put in, if people... If the difficulty is right, we'll probably not think so much about ball spin. Possibly. Maybe. Um, maybe. I don't know. I think it's more of a visual thing, though, as well. Like, it's a... Yeah. It's, it's one of those extra things that, you know, creates a digital illusion of pinball, like having that ball spin and see it noticeably right. spin, it's important because that's what it does in and, real life. Yeah. And I think it depends very much on how they implement a little bit more of randomness because if the randomness 
truly feels random, it might feel less realistic than it does now. But if it feels like, ah, that might have been because of ball spin, and, and it feels realistic, I, I don't care if it's really ball spin implemented in the engine or if it's just a fake ball spin, fake randomness. Elements of random, yeah. Oh, I like yeah. the idea of that. Uh, Flipper Physics 3.0 is slowly being rolled out. Is there a time frame for adding to older tables? Is this the final version, or can we also expect to see something like flipper rise time so weak flips and tap passes can happen? Over the next few months, we'll get the new Flipper Physics implemented. I'm confused by part of this question. We've got weak flippers and tap passes working to some degree, right? The thing holding us back from quicker flippers is simply optimization of our collision detection. Even running at 60 frames per second with five subframes, there are limitations. We still have improvements to make. Damn you people for asking that question and making us look bad. <laughs> you know what? After I got, after I got these, these responses back, I was like, okay, I need to take a, a, a quicker look. And I happen to be playing Big Shot, so go figure, I'm helping their analytics. Um, and... <laughs> <laughs> and I looked, and he is right. There is you can do quick, quick uh, taps, and the flipper does not go all the way down to the bottom and back up. You can visually see it uh, doing just a small dip. Um, I do, though, believe that yes, the collision detection is where the problem mm. is being with that because, and specifically on big shot, I've had so many times where the ball has basically approached the tip of the flipper. And instead of giving me a very gentle soft bounce off of it that would maybe send it to the other flipper, it just seems to go right through the flipper. Mm, and I know okay. that that's because they want the tip to be a little more uh, mushy, you might say, spongy, because yep. that helps with the softer flip. But I'm finding the ball just kind of goes through um, <laughs> when it should give a nice little dink. Yeah, sound effects, right? Uh, yeah. So, I do like, though, the new flippers. I mean, it's made Big Shot much more playable for me. I, there's no denying it. Yeah, I agree. That is all that we have for uh, this portion of the interview. However, uh, Bobby is saving the second page for next month. So, something to tune into, oh. guys. Uh, yeah, there's a lot, lot, lot more to get into, but I think there's uh, quite a few good nuggets in there for uh, yeah. everybody to jump on. Absolutely. Thanks, Bobby, for answering all of our questions and putting up with us. <laughs> <laughs> now, I do want to touch on something that uh, I think, Jared, you actually kind of brought it up in the midst of that, which is with the Stern tables doing a separate app and all. I want to throw out a hypothetical and see what you guys think. Stern has mentioned, and I know we've talked about it before, that they want to have digital pinball of their tables even before the physical table comes out because that way they could bug test. They could also see what people actually like on the tables. Uh, they can work out some of their you know, play code all beforehand and use it as a tool of selling the actual tables. You know, Here's your preview of the table rather than just yeah. having to look at pictures and assume what's going on. Love the idea. <laughs> Love the Make idea. Now, how much, though, do you think that that app would cost? Because I can't um. force... I can't... 
if they sold it at five dollars, um, they would sell it to just a bazillion people. And mm. now it's the question of, well, yeah, but are are those people not going to seek it out in the arcade? That's no not going way. to affect. They, that's not going to seek it in. They will go and seek it out. Seek it out. Okay. Would they will use it exactly the same as they do with Puma Arcade. They will use it as a training bid for rule learning. So that when they go into the arcade and go into tournament settings, they can smash that game. And okay, I think, right. Yeah. And I, so, I think... so here's my question. What would be too expensive? Like, where's the sweet spot that, that they would need to hit so that it still maintains some kind of an exclusivity that is used as a tool for selling the actual pinball machine as opposed to just being a substitute for the pinball machine? They could take as much money as a regular, non-very expensive AAA game for every table, I'd say. Not like $80 I mean, with 50 per bucks, table, but, but 50, yeah, 50 maybe 40 Yeah, I think that, that would be okay. You reckon 40 bucks a table, or 40 bucks yeah. a DLC. Uh, for that, it would need to be incredibly, incredibly high-quality digital recreation. Indeed, indeed. But, but, but it, it would need to be flawless for that. I think Stern realized that themselves, and that's what they what they definitely are aiming for. Because if uh, it, mm. it isn't flawless, if it isn't very well presented, it's it's not really good advertisement for for them. No, it would need so, to be. Yeah. It would be a really great way for them to test out new code. Imagine that rolling yeah, out new yes. code into a digital pinball, and then go, "Hey, look, we've got new code on here. Test it out. See what works. What doesn't." And then being able to iterate on that based on feedback would save them so much money in in ROM development, like uh, and getting that customer feedback loop closed. Now, what if it was used solely as a pre-order tool, like mm. put down a deposit? Your deposit can be refundable, uh, you know, on an actual machine. But we want you to first be able to try out the machine. So here's your digital version. Um, and if it was used solely as that kind of thing, would that be too narrow? Uh, I feel yes, I think it, it would be a, a very much a, waste, a wasted opportunity because I think yes. you just asked um, um, uh, regarding the price if uh, um, what what it, what it would, what Stone would gain, and I think they they wouldn't lose a, a single pinball maniac who is who's hunting down machines in the wild and, and is, is looking forward to playing real physical pinball. He, mm. uh, as, just, as Jared said, they just go uh, and, and take it as, as uh, something to practice on. But uh, on the other hand, uh, they, they could reach a new audience and uh, could make pinball maniacs out of them. So, um, like for example, like in your case, Bonzo, like where there's not very much access to Stearns uh, over in Germany, you know, yeah. th it could be a, an amazing way to open up the market over there and perhaps even get some import sales for actual tables Indeed. over there. Indeed, you know, it's a huge opportunity. And it, it could definitely, maybe even make pinball more relevant again in, in Europe in general. I think. I think uh, absolutely being on a drought here. Huh. Yep, I agree. Okay, so basically, what we're saying is, uh, if you, even at forty dollars, the app would be worth it. Uh, I'd like, to, I'd like to add that it it would be worth if if it's done well, it would definitely right. be worth forty dollars. But I think at that point, it 
might be wasted opportunity for Stern because then only pinball maniacs would get it and they yeah. they'd not get the, the the new folks in and so um, th I think they can't make it as cheap as, as uh, pinball arcade or, or Zen uh, DLC well, what if they had they, a what if they had a timed exclusivity on it let's say yeah. for the first for the first uh, I mean this is almost what happens with the uh, main emulation uh, stuff where Stern kind of asked them hey try not to duplicate our pinball machines for say two years yeah. Um, and then after that, we won't come after you, you know, for copyright infringement or whatever. So let's say for the first two years, they have the program at, you know, this really high price point, um, and then thereafter, all of a sudden, it drops in price to become, you know, here's for the general public to, to mess with. Well, I think I don't know about that approach. I think. Um Potentially having a lockout exclusivity on the app, um, sort of maybe for the first more let's let's call it an arbitrary time of two months after the initial table drop starts to roll out to arcades and to customers. So give people because operators will be pissy about that if you don't actually um, let the arcade sites uh, get maximum revenue from the game. So right, uh, I would think. As a as a hat tip to operators, they should probably hold the digital release for two or three months to let the game uh, submit itself into the arcades, and then at that point, I think that's the time they could strike with the digital um, aspect of the platform because people will be playing the game in the arcades and will have got a feel for it. So then, what they can do is, in their spare time when they don't have access to the game they can go and practice strategies in the digital app at home and then go back to the arcade where it's available and then try and replicate that in the arcade as well. So See, I was thinking even longer because of the fact that, like, Wizard of Oz, it took me a full year before I ever even saw the thing. Well, that's, yeah, and that's the other thing, too. Like, here in Australia, we do have, we're lucky enough to have a site down in Surface Paradise that commits to buying every stern pinball that's released, but okay. that is a two-hour drive, a <laughs> drive, two-hour right. drive away from me, right? And I can't do that at all, and I miss out. We have a couple of other operators, like at uh, Death Valley uh, Records and Tapes, not who tapas. also have not Tapas Tapes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Ed. Um, that um, also have a couple of uh, like newer sterns on the site as well. But this is the only way. Um, we can get access to them, and it's a, it's about a lifestyle thing too. Like, what they have to realize, Stern, is that not everyone can physically get to play pinball. Guys, yeah. with like me with two kids, and you know, you know where I live, which isn't you know out in Whoop Whoop, it's actually just up in North Lakes, which is still a very heavily urban area. Um, it's distance in Australia and distance in other countries that prevents people from playing pinball. This app, like Pinball Arcade, would bridge that distance and probably rekindle the fire in some people to actually go and seek out digital pinball again. Physical pinball. Yeah, physical pinball. Physical yeah. pinball, yeah. Yeah, but that's if, what but, I think. But if, if, if you if you keep uh, the physical machine exclusive for a few months, you would then have to maybe make the app exclusive uh, as, as a, for, for those who pre-order, just like Chris... Uh, a hint to that. Uh, then you could have best of both worlds. You could have uh, uh, those who pre-ordered the machine or who are really interested in pre-ordering the machine having 
have them do the beta testing or, or the uh, helping with with uh, getting the code to to where it should be, and uh, you could also then after a time start selling it to to everyone. Yep. Now, see, I'd really, really like to hope that, uh, you know, the brain trusts at these companies have thought of these very things <laughs> well, <laughs> and I have think discussed them. that. But, but then again, I just saw the postings of the industrial videos that were sent out to distributors of the uh, various Bally Williams pinball tables, and wow. <laughs> yeah, well, that was back in the time when, when the internet didn't exist. That was their only vehicle to to sell tables. And you've got to remember that those were specifically aimed at operators. So no, but those are those in and of themselves are representative of industrial videos in general, to which are those yeah. are made today. They're not run by a marketing department trying to sell to the general public. It's you know, the the it's basically the AV nerds at the company sending it out to the AV nerds of the uh, <laughs> of the distribution world. You know, yep. The, you know, it's hey, it's Phil from Fontana. Oh, it's so good to see you. You know, it's yeah, pretty much yeah, man. You know, they're, they're kind of easily impressed, maybe? I don't know. They're not looking for this giant flash quality, you know, presentation or whatever. But that kind of tells you what internal marketing is like, where you just kind of go, so did anybody think of this or not? Don't know. Well, that was back in, you know, the 90s and the 80s. I think the the paradigm shifted a little bit now uh, like you know everyone is internet aware face i mean stern themselves now has you know a uh, facebook manager in one of the um the guys that was originally a pinsider it's actually doing their facebook marketing now and it's um mm. it's so much so much better you know everyone is talking about how positive it is now so they're understanding that now they need to pay more attention to that and actually market themselves in a different way because they're not targeting operators anymore. They're targeting the home market. <laughs> well, speaking of marketing in a different way, uh, we just had San Diego Comic-Con uh, last weekend, and Stern was there. And I don't know if this was their second or third year of going to Comic-Con, but I do know that they, I think, doubled their square footage of booth size um, wow. to have a very large presence for pinball. You know, not even, not even comic book. I mean, I'm sure they had one of their comic book tables there, but I also know that they had the Kiss table and Metallica table there. Uh, And what they were saying, you know, the the question was, why is Stern at a comic con? And it was because we're geek culture, and these are our people. (laughs) Absolutely, it is pop culture. Pinball is now back in the ether again as a as a thing, and it's cyclical in its business model. Pinball, um, you'll have ebbs and trough, uh, troughs and peaks, uh, and we're in well and truly a peak at the moment. And it's part of the zeitgeist, it's part of pop culture. It needs to be at these shows. That's all there is to it. Hey Bonzo, how you doing on time? Huh? I um, said, how are you doing on time? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was actually um, asleep when we wake him up. No, no, no. I, 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 I should have said pardon. I really didn't understand the question. Um, um, I, it, it would be great if I dropped out now, I think. Okay, okay, with that, folks, we're going to... Bonzo has... Uh, you got to understand, when we record these, it's like 1 a.m. for him. So he's got to get some sleep so he can go to work in the morning. Uh, thank you so much for uh, playing the part of Bobby. We'll hear from you uh, playing that same wonderful role next month. Let's hear it for Bonzo. 
Guten Abend. Dankeschön. Um, yeah, go on, have fun, and uh, I'll listen to the finished product soon, I hope. Yay! Yay! Yay. Hopefully. I've committed to try and turn this thing around in two days, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> oh, fingers crossed, and uh, have a good Monday, Sunday, afternoon, whatever. Have a good day soon. that ends in Y. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> see you, Bye. mate. All right, so now that he's gone, we can talk about him. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Jared, uh, I know that you guys have uh, wonderful spiders there in Australia. We do. Mostly, the, mostly the deadly variety. Now, yes. um, I'm sure you're, uh, well, I don't know. Is your, is your wife anything like my wife, where if she sees a spider, you are the spider killer? Absolutely. I am the destroyer of arachnids, <laughs> the slayer of eight-legged beings. Uh, when I say slayer, I mean get the can of Mortine and, and drown them in Mortine. Uh, for the record, for any spiders who are listening to our podcast, I have nothing against you. I don't actually have a problem with you at all. It's my wife. She asked me to kill them. I have to kill them because it's manly to kill spiders for your wife. <laughs> so, So... Particularly the ones that have life bars are hovering above them. They're the ones that you get extra points for. Because these ones, you know, the, the hand-shaped size spiders we have here called huntsmans, they're a predatory spider that like to eat humans. And um, they particularly like to eat babies. So because we have young kids in the house, um, we, we have to make sure that we get these ones with the life bars above their heads. <laughs> yeah. So... We have spiders too, but they're not nearly uh, even a tenth as ferocious. Uh, and yes, yeah. I am on the spider hunter duty. So the other night, the other night, I all of a sudden hear this yelp from the bathroom, and I'm like, "Oh, spider! Fine." So you know, grab the paper towel, go in. And my wife is pointing up to the light in our ceiling in the bathroom. Now it's recessed in. It's a uh, call it a like a five by ten rectangle, right? And yep. it's recessed into the, the ceiling. So in order to actually access the light bulb, you're supposed to uh, pull down on the whole frame of this thing, and it drops down maybe six inches, and then you can access the light bulb. Oh, yeah, we so, have those. Right. So I go, I walk into the bathroom, and I look up, and she's got the light on. And it's not a spider I see, but it is this distinct large shape that, um, although she was calling it a grasshopper, it looked very much like a cockroach to me. <laughs> Oh, now, a cockroach. I have, now, I have no problem squishing a spider. I loathe with a passion squishing a roach. Now, this isn't mm. even probably a true roach. It was probably uh, we in Southern California have what are called Japanese water beetles. Oh. They're long. They're brown. They look like a roach to me. I don't, I don't care if they're not truly a roach. They're just disgusting looking. They just give me the, the heebies, right? So, they have an exoskeleton that makes them a roach, so die in a fire. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's it's not going to, you know, when you squish it in a paper towel, it's not going to go silently. It's going to go, and you're going to just, yeah. right? So, so I see this thing up in there, and it's bouncing around, and I'm like, that's a roach. And she's like, no, it's a grasshopper. I'm like, fine, it's a grasshopper. It can wait until the morning. I'm like, I'm not yeah. dealing with it. So, sure enough, comes to be the morning. Time for me to go deal with this thing. So I get out the vacuum cleaner, because I'm like, no way in hell am I going to, you know, palm this thing. And, yeah. uh, I flick on the light real quick, 
no movement, but the I can still see the outline, so I'm like, okay, it's still there. Yep. So I get up on a chair, and I got the vacuum tube, and I'm getting ready to pull the little frame down, and I'm just like, knowing my luck, the frame's going to... It's going to crawl down your arm and eat your yes, brains. Exactly. It's going to fall towards me. <laughs> so while I'm doing this, in my mind, you know that scene in Aliens when they're in the room, they barricade themselves, and they've got the uh, the tracker out, and they're like, okay, three meters. It's a two meters. That can't be, man. That's in the room. And then all of a sudden they look up and they're like, they're in the they're in the the grating. Yeah. <laughs> and so so the one dude stands up on a box and he pokes his gun up to you know lifts up the thing and he peeks his eye up and then he sees the aliens all coming at him. This is what's going through my mind. <laughs> so I go, he's thinking little tiny critter. Because <laughs> I pulled down the I, I pulled down the 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 covering, and I still can't see, so I'm smashing my head up against the ceiling, trying to get one eye to see what it is indeed there. <laughs> Picturing <laughs> the thing jumping and hopping on my eyeball. <laughs> it's basically so, a scene from Starship Troopers. Kill the bugs! Exactly. <laughs> Would you exactly. Like to know <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I peeked my eye big enough that I could see two antennas sticking up, and I was like, good enough for me, I know it's there, and the, the antenna were slowly twitching, so I was like, and it's alive, gotta use the vacuum. I vacuumed the crap out of it. <laughs> <laughs> People, I could hear your wife laughing her head over the background. Yes. Is, that right? <laughs> <laughs> Is she laughing at you? Yes, she's laughing at yeah. she's, she's laughing the entire situation because. <laughs> Because I so after I get done vacuuming, we get in it's in one of those. It's not a vacuum bag. It's uh you know you know cyclone tunnel thing where you can you know pull out the cup and empty it. And she's like, "Did you yeah. get?" And I'm like, "Yeah." Do you want to see? She's like, "No." She's like, "It was just a grasshopper." Grasshopper. I'm like, "I'll pull this thing out and you can check and tell me if it's a grasshopper or not." She's like, "No, it's a grasshopper." I'm like, "Whatever makes you sleep at night." Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So That's anyway. You know, you you can deal with your man-eating spiders over there in Australia. Yeah. I, I have to yeah. deal with, uh, you know, insects that go crunch. <laughs> well, for the record, my wife hates cockroaches as well, and she'll get me to kill those. We actually um, have a, a challenge in the house when we get a, a spider when you spray it. I don't know if you do this over there, but to isolate it so it doesn't scuttle off somewhere and, and puke out young, as they often do. <laughs> um, <laughs> 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 well, it depends on, on the spiders. Sometimes they actually bear, they don't lay eggs, they actually bear live young and they explode out of the abdomen if they're looking for a place to lay them. Um, and uh, as a defense mechanism, because, you know, because <laughs> they're spiders. I swear to God, every, re- every single time we talk, <laughs> you just further cement the fact that everything in Australia wants to kill you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So for as, as an aside, on this, there was one we saw a very heavily pregnant huntsman spider, um, and and she was waddling around the poor thing, looking for somewhere to to lay or to release her spiders. But I got to her first, sprayed her. She scuttled off around the corner, and then when I went to see if where she got to, um, she was distinctly smaller than what she was to start oh with, and <laughs> I I saw all these things that looked like ants on the ground. And I went, holy shit, they're not ants, they're spiders, <laughs> and they're coming out of her abdomen. She is giving live birth to spawn, and I must kill them all. And so the, uh, 
because <laughs> you, you know these things there was like hundreds and hundreds of spiders coming out of this poor yeah. thing's abdomen and i'd never seen live birthing of spiders before so achievement unlocked i guess um <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I got the got the cannibal and said die and sprayed them all liberally with um, more teen and they stopped moving pretty quickly so Wow, um, I'm a terrible, I'm a terrible person for a mass killing a whole family of spiders, and I'm sure I'll go to hell. But you know, <laughs> wow. All right. Well, now that that is uh, unsettled to everybody, uh, <laughs> come to Australia. It's fun. Yeah. Let's let's move on to something a little more pleasant, like Jared Tech Talk. Jared Tech Talk. Jared Tech Talk. Jared Talk. Tech Talk. Tech Talk. Jared Tech Talk. All right. Now let's that a, that that was a theme song, right? Because indeed, yep. Jared does talk tech like a techie would talk. Um, yep, exactly right. <laughs> like a metal. <laughs> <laughs> so this uh, this this segment of tech talk today is proudly brought to you by <laughs> the letter S for sound, <laughs> and and the number sixty nine because it's the number that was in my head at the moment. Um, so uh, we we. Because yeah, it always is with guys, yeah, sixty-nine. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we're going to talk about um, mechanical sound effects and in Android, at least, why they lag behind the action. Now, before I launch into this, is the PC affected by sound delay at all? Like, do you notice? Not that I don't notice anything. No. Hmm. I think this might just be an Android-specific thing. So for those people that um, are perhaps on iOS, I don't know whether it also is a... It might just be a mobile thing, I'm not sure. But if it is only limited to Android, I've got um, some good news because um, uh, if <laughs> the TLDR is they've kind of fixed half of the problem, Farsight, after a couple of emails, I, I sent them with some ideas. I'm going to claim... <laughs> I don't know whether it was just in the works for a while anyhow, but... Um, I sent this one email to Norman, um, uh, who is a sound engineer and producer still, I think, yes. isn't he? Yes. yes. So he's, he's, he's a guy who extracts all the sounds out of the pinball machines uh, and digitizes them and, and gets them ready for inclusion in the game. So emailed him and said, hey, what about this idea um, with Android now? Because what Scott Umble did was he... Um, implemented a new feature in Android um, for packaging that allows you to do what they call large packages. And what that allows you to do is get above the 55 megabyte limit for package sizes on Android. Oh, is that something that is limited on Android? I mean, like... Yeah. So what they do, or what they used to do is have a, a... like a 55 megabyte package and then you downloaded additional content. Um... And it was like an extra little download that happened after the fact. Well, they've they bumped the size of the packages now, so you can fit more in. And what's that? What that has actually allowed is to um, include a lot of the mechanical effects in what they call the Android Sound Pool. So, to give you a bit of background about what the Sound Pool is in an Android app, at the top directory inside the APK, and it should be noted that an APK is like a zip file but it's called an APK, okay? So it's a package that's installed onto the device. So when you, you can actually, on Linux especially, you can actually open up these files and see what's inside them. And at the very top level of the directory, so at the the, the root is what they call it, um, there were a couple of files for flippers. There was two flipper files, there was one flipper file, flipper.org, 
which is Og Vorbis, which is a an open source sound format. So I got me thinking. I went, well, if there's one in there, why don't they just put all the mechanical sound effects in there and call them um, from the sound pool, which is zero latency? Um, the problem that the um, Android sound effects had in the past is that they all had to be included in what they call a big um, uh, stream. And because of the processing problems with the Android operating system for sound, there was a little bit of latency, so a little bit of a time delay in how the sound was passed when a switch was triggered to when it was actually presented to you in your speakers. And we all know that if you have it, that sort of like desync between sound and vision, it's really jarring. It's like watching, uh, and, yeah, when when somebody's speaking on the TV and they don't have the sound quite right, and yeah, their mouth ends it's and the voice is still coming out. Yeah, it just it just looks totally wrong. It's really right. disconcerting. Well, in a digital simulation like Pinball Arcade, it's the same sort of thing, except you're not looking at people's mouths; you're looking at the ball touching and interacting things, but hearing the sound up to ten to I oh know about about hundred or hundred and fifty milliseconds after. It actually happens. And you think, but what's 120 milliseconds? That's not that long. It's an eternity, an eternity when you're looking at things happening from a mechanical perspective. So, for example, in a really great way of testing this up until they fixed this issue was um, if you had a look on Terminator 2, when you go for the skill shot and the little targets are oscillating, like beep, beep, beep. Well, the sound effect for that was just a little bit behind. So depending on the speed that those were oscillating at, you would actually miss a blip for the first time the the target was going. So it was actually a blip behind. And I found that I was using the sound effects to time my shots in the Uh real game. But when I went on to the the digital version of it, I was completely screwed. I had to completely relearn how to shoot the skill shot. Um, So it's that sort of thing that um, was really hurting the game from a a realism perspective. So with this new... um, uh, large package feature they've got with Android. They've been able to put in all of the mechanical sound effects into the sound pool. So instead of one sound, I think it's something like about 12 or 13 different .og files in there now. Mm. So what that means is everything from metal tinking noises when it hits like one of the metal guides um, to pop bumpers, slingshots, um, like saucer kickouts. So unfortunately, the farting source is still in there at the moment, but... Um, <laughs> Norman is is trying to do something about that. He's going through and doing a, a cleanup of audio on on these things as time progresses, which is really great. But that, it, particularly in Safecracker, those of you who are familiar with the game, uh, up in the pop bumpers area, there are drop targets and pop bumpers, um, and they're really really close together. And what I've noticed while playing the game is that I haven't noticed it. Um, as far as mechanical sound effects. And if I haven't noticed that, that means it's working flawless. Ah, yeah. As far as, yeah, because that's, you shouldn't notice these things. It should just be right. seamless. It's, it's kind of like in movies where they say the best special effect is the one that you didn't know happened. Exactly right. And this is exactly the same mm. case with this sound problem. So, um, I'm going to have to, it pleases me immensely that I'm going to have to go back into the Pimble Arcade user's guide and write an addendum to chapter eight <laughs> about while Android sound effects always lag behind the action, because I can now proudly say that this issue has now been fixed, at least from the mechanical sound effects perspective. I think there is still some latency um, in the actual um, in-game music and sound effects, but 
I don't think that's going to be something that can really be fixed on Android um, at all. I think there's always going to be a little bit of a lag there on Android, but the fact that the mechanical effects are now in sync with what's happening on the screen, just it makes a colossal, colossal difference to gameplay oh, yeah. and, and realism. So it's been a long time coming, and I'm pretty sure that technical, I'm sure that Farsight had wanted to do this before, but they just couldn't because of limitations on Android. So they've now gone and tried to um, and rectify it by yeah, using large packages. And I've got some, uh, before I wrap up the segment, there were some answers provided by Ryan Routon, who was the former Android developer. Um, and there's a there were a number of things that he tried to do to fix the problem initially. There was um, a thing called a block size in um, the 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 sound mixer that Android uh, that Farsight uses um, to mix the sounds in game and then send them through as a big stream um, as you're playing the game. So there was a thing that um, you can do. You can decrease the audio block size to make the the chunks the audio chunks smaller. And by making yeah. the audio chunks smaller, you would decrease the amount of latency because it's it doesn't have such a big gap between each block that's being passed through the the audio streaming system. So he tried to do that. But he got to a point where um, it was so small that you actually hear um, blips between it and little blips between the audio, and it became really apparent that you couldn't actually do it that way because you get to the point where it gets too small, it misses audio blobs, and that's tied in with the Farsight game engine. So um, if you're missing audio calls, it gets out of sync, and the audio and the whole game crashes. So <laughs> it's sound is sound is really important in the game and how it actually interacts with the, the Farsight engine. So, um, yeah, it looks like this issue is actually being addressed. And I know Norman's doing a sound pass on some of the uh, effects too to make them more chunkier um, as time progresses as well. So there is work being done in the audio area, and I think that's that's actually really important as a part of the digital illusion. I've said it time and time again. Um that it is part of digital illusion and they're doing something to fix it. So that's really, really good. Good, good, good. Yeah, because this brings back, I mean, I know the the very first time I ever went and visited Farsight where they were talking about how they only have limited amount of size that they can send certain parts of the game uh, over iOS and, and Android. So if those sizes have increased, then obviously logically they can increase the, the the density, the resolution, whatever of these packets, um, bring That's them back right. up to bring back up to scale. It might be that they can actually, because of the extra size, they might even be able to uh, increase the the sample, uh, the sound mm-hmm. sample size. Because at the moment it's it's eleven kilohertz, uh, which is um, low resolution mono. Which I mean, yeah. for most of these games, the Farsight Audio Mixer doesn't support stereo, even for games. That does um, a feature stereo like a lot of the uh, Stern games. Like Phantom of the Opera has the um, uh, stereo sound option right. on it, um, but the audio mixer just doesn't handle it because of blocks, well, not block sizes, but the fact that you know it's expensive to do that from a processing perspective because you've got to have two channels of audio rather than just one, and you know that that starts to impact other areas of the game. So. Uh, yeah, there might even be um, some cleanup moving forward of that sort of stuff as well, which could be pretty, which will be good again to yeah. you know keep the, the digital illusion thing moving forward, well, and as we like it to as seamless yeah. as possible. 
Any improvements that can be made upon the game are good. <laughs> yeah, improvements are good. I mean, we've seen them. We've seen quality yeah. in this season just boost dramatically. We've got all these other little tweaks coming in, so they're getting through them, and it's great to see. It makes you want to... I was on the fence, actually, of buying Season 5, but seeing all this extra effort that the guys are doing um, to reduce some of these low-hanging fruit items that have been hanging around for a while, it's made me go and re- get a Google Play gift card in readiness for Season 5 to drop. So bring it on. Um, you're going to get some more money out of me this year, Farsight. <laughs> you know what we should do is, uh, since with Safecracker, that wraps up Season 4, why don't we uh, kind of... Uh discuss what we think of season four. How would, how does season four uh, fare amongst the other seasons? Uh, just to remind everybody what season four is compiled of. We have Phantom of the Opera, Party Zone, Earthshaker, Starship Troopers, Adam's Family, Cyclone, Jackpot, Xenon, Roadshow, and Safecracker. Now, I'll go on record and just say, because there are no Gottliebs in this season at all, it's the best season ever. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll go on record to say that the fact that there's been finished with Safecracker, I can pretty much be done with Pimble Arcade now if I wanted to. If I was poor and didn't want to throw any more money right. at them, I'm done. I've got my table of my dreams in the, in the product. So season four, winner, winner, chicken dinner. <laughs> <laughs> I do Trump's agree. All the I others. Don't... I, I honestly don't think it started off that strong, um, just in terms of, well, I'm not a Data East fan too much, so Phantom of the Opera and Starship Troopers really, you know, I don't have any nostalgia for them, so they're, in all, for all sense and purposes, they're brand new to me. Um, yeah, a bit like and, that for me too. And Party Zone, it just never has really caught on with me. I mean, it's, it's you know, yeah, it's better than Dr. Dude, but it's still kind of goofy, and um, I don't know, there's something about it that just doesn't really grab me. Earthshaker, on the other hand, uh, that for me was the fact that we have uh, well, I'm a Lawler fanatic, but Earthshaker, Whirlwind, Adam's Family, uh, <laughs> and Roadshow, that completes it for me as, as far as I care with Lawler. Oh, and we had Funhouse, you know, it's like that's it. Those are those are what I needed out of him. Mm. Um, yeah, everything else is just kind of gravy. And yeah. uh, so the fact that we got Earthshaker and Adam's Family and Roadshow and Savecracker, it's like I'm in Lawler heaven. Yeah, <laughs> it's season four, the year of the Lawler. <laughs> um, I don't think Xenon's that great of a table, but on the other no. hand, I don't think it's a terrible miss either. Um. No, and you know the fans wanted it, so exactly. You know, give, and give I think it looks it looks beautiful. I think it plays really nicely. I think it it encompasses everything that they've been doing since season three in terms of quality of their tables. Mm. Yeah. Um, same thing can be said with Cyclone. It's not really my kind of a table. I don't really care for the theme, but it is a classic, no. and I TPA would be sorely having a huge giant gap in their lineup if they didn't have one of the circus tables. Yep. Yeah. It, in it. it wouldn't so. be right. And we got to remember that this is what TPA is about. Their mission statement still stands uh, that they're trying to like keep these tables um, preserved in digital form forever. So 
right. um, for future generations. Yeah, that, yeah. for future generations, etc. So this is something they need to do. Um, Although I can't think, imagine yeah. a future. Can you, <laughs> as somebody who recently downloaded the uh, original Tomb Raider games, I don't really think future generations are going to be too impressed with graphics. <laughs> you know, 15, 20 years down the line, they're going to go, what the heck is that? Because when I booted up Tomb Raider and realized that it was 20 years old and looked at that game, it was like, oh, guy, that's ugly. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's the ability to be able to play them digitally is what they're doing. I think you know, as yes. as we all know, you know, graphics technology will pr- you know go over time, and who knows, it might be a chance to do a digital redux of them all um, you know, down the track. Um, but yeah. the fact that we can play them on our on our devices now, uh, it's we've got a lot of tables. Imagine if we had an arcade in our town with the amount of tables we had in Pimble Arcade. Um, oh, I know. You'd be pretty happy with that. I'd be, I'd be bloody amazed if we had one like that here in Australia. Dude, I'm stoked to go into any of my league houses that have 12 tables in their house. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's right. So having nearly what 60 tables now, um, that is bonkers, ridiculous to have access to. In fact, it's it spoiled me for um, you know going. Oh, what table should I play? Um, right. Today, because it's like, oh, I don't even know. <laughs> I need a random button so I can just go and walk up to a game randomly and go, yeah, I'll play this one. I need a random button. So maybe the new UI, hint, hint, might have a random button in it. Ah, I don't know. That'd be kind of good, wouldn't it? That would be kind of good. That would be good indeed. Would you? Uh, where would you place season four though in the uh, of the four seasons? How would you rank them? Well, uh, it's. I'd probably place it. Well, I'd place it number one for me um, because it has Safe Cracker in it. Um, it's it's number one. I'd then place um, season three behind that. Um, and oh, gee, season one is a bit of a a vague memory for me as well. Um, <laughs> um, uh, I can't really say what order I put season one and season two in. Um, but let's just. The the thing I had the problem I had with season one and season two is just the quality, um, and this is what I base my my ratings on. Like season three and season four is when we started to see a dramatic uptick in quality in how the tables were presented, the uh-huh. the care and stuff like alpha panes and graphical effects on um, tables and stuff like that, and um, that to me is what makes these seasons more valuable than season one and season two, which were just release all the things and get through our backlog um, of people hall of fame tables and, and let quality get sacrificed a bit. Now, if those table, if those seasons were to have a significant reboot and um, have them go back through and, you know, clean up the graphic assets and make things nice and sharp, put alpha panes in all the older tables you know, that might change my opinion because there's some classic tables in there, like, you know, Brighter Pinbot um, looks great when it has good-looking graphics um, and effects. And, um, yeah, so, yeah, three and four. Um, so season four, season three, and then a mixture of season one and season two somewhere around there. <laughs> <laughs> See, I think I would still go... I think I'd still have to put season one as tops just because it has so many classic tables in it. Um, and especially now that I've been playing it in DX11, I go back to those tables all the time. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know the reason why because DX11 because of advanced graphics exactly. because of you know and this is the thing we don't get on on mobile like, these tables are just flat on mobile yeah. they're uninteresting and flat compared to season 3 and season 4 that being said the the ball physics on some of these tables are atrocious compared to 3 and 4 yeah, um, I mean, there's it's a night and day difference. You you play Adam's Family, and then you go play uh, Theater of Magic, and it's just like, what the hell am I playing? You know, yeah. Theater of Magic is a mess with ball physics. Um, so that's the only downside I th- for for me with season one. But I would go season one, then I'd go season uh, four, and yep. then I probably. I think I would go with you in terms of quality, go season three, and then mm. I'm not much of a fan of season two. I mean, there's good tables in it, but they're also kind of the tables that just... I Like, I go, oh, yeah, I like that table, but I don't play it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of, oh, yeah, I like that table, but uh, don't really... Do it. Yeah. yeah it's, it's not one I go back to, and that's kind of the same thing with season three. It's got those kind of tables in it, but the quality is just you know, it's really good, but yeah. Like I said, season four, though. I mean, yes, dude, it's the year of Lawler. How can I? How can yeah. I? Yeah, it's know. it's pretty good. It's shape. It, it was a little bit weak to start with. Boy, did it finish strong. Yeah, um, yeah. So and based off what of what, based off of, like. yeah, based off of the tables that I've heard rumor. <laughs> mm. is, is that safely skirting my NDA um, of what are going to be in season five? I have no issue. Uh, buying the season pass as soon as it comes out. I've I've tweeted exactly the same. Like I went, yeah, season five, yeah, it's an insta buy for me. Um, from what I mean, we're aware of, I know that there's three tables for sure that I'm like, yep, I would buy those uh-huh. no matter what. And yep. all it really, I think, is buying two more tables, and you've essentially paid for the season anyway. So pretty much, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, after so, yeah, that, it's like you dump a whole bunch of crap and. Insta buy, yeah. it gets our seal yes. of approval. <laughs> Make it rain. Shut up and take my money. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, for those uh, people that are interested in pinball talk, um, that might have been the conclusion of pinball talk for this podcast. So if you feel like shutting us off, then fine, screw you, leave. Um, for those that so uh, we, enjoy, enjoy our random apps? banter, because <laughs> <laughs> we're at, we're actually at one hour twenty eight at the moment. Um, are we so, really? Yeah, we are. Because I'm keeping time. Because it's part of editing this podcast now. I have to like look at timestamps and stuff like oh, that. Oh man! So yeah, we're at about spoiler one. of fun. Are you? I know. I know. So, <laughs> what other things do you want to talk about? Because we're on the clock here. We're, we're, we're on the clock here. Absolutely. Um, well, you know, I keep on threatening this, and and I have to talk about it sooner or later before it just completely escapes my mind. But um, we got to fit some movie talk in here. Right? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, the other day, flipping channels, and I come across this movie called Career Opportunities. Now, (laughs) this is a John Hughes-written film. Probably one of the last ones that he wrote. Uh, It came out in, like, 91 or 92. Starred uh, Frank Whaley Jr. and uh, Jennifer Connelly. All I remembered about this thing was the poster. And on the poster, it says uh, the tagline was maximum comedy, minimum wage, or something like that. Minimum wage is at maximum comedy. 
whatever. <laughs> but I never heard anything else about the movie. And so I started thinking, I'm like, well, come on, it's John Hughes. You're, you're going to like it. I mean, even if it's just so-so, you're going to like it. It's John Hughes. The guy's a genius writer. So I go ahead and I record this movie. And then I proceeded to watch the movie. And within about five minutes of watching it, I was like, oh, this is a terrible, terrible mistake. <laughs> and it only got worse. <laughs> All right. Okay. So um, if, <laughs> if somebody told me that they literally were digging through Hughes's file cabinet and went, hey, John, what's this? He goes, I don't know, some script I was trying to work on. I never hammered it out. And they're like, can we make it? You go, how much are you going to pay me? We're going to pay you this much. Sure, go ahead. Make the what? Make yeah. whatever you want because it did not bear his finesse at all. Um, it essentially is is them trying to take the best moments of Ferris Bueller and mix it in with the best moments of other John Hughes movies and failing miserable at it. <laughs> oh dear! And I mean, any movie that they not they. Quick and short is that the guy gets locked into a target overnight and can't leave. Right. And he's a really bad employee and decides to have fun in this time, which involves basically putting on roller skates, dressing up in a tutu, and then skating circles around the store. Okay. And we don't just get to witness this once. We get to witness it twice. <laughs> Because it was so good the first time, there's another scene with it. But this time he's skating with Jennifer Connelly, so it's um, <laughs> oh, yeah, it, it's it's really spectacularly bad. But I've heard people like, oh, I remember that movie; it was great. And so I looked up the reviews, and like the reviews were kind, and I'm, it got me thinking. I'm like, what are some movies that you have seen, if you've seen any, that are so far past their expiration date that they stink no matter even if your nostalgia tries to tell you that they didn't stink. <laughs> oh, geez. Um, this is a hard question for me to answer because I'm not really a super hardcore movie buff. Right. Um, oh. But you know how people will be like, oh, you got to see this movie. you got to see this movie. And then you see the movie and you're kind of like, really? That was what uh, I actually, had to Space see? Balls. Space was Balls was that You know funny. what? I just recently watched it and it was horrible. <laughs> yeah, Spaceballs was that for me. Uh, I just went, oh yeah, it's like oh, Night at the Roxborough as well was another one, and I went, oh really? I had to see this. Why? <laughs> yeah. I, so, I was gonna say I yeah. kind of put that with almost any Will Ferrell movie because just I don't yeah. find him fun. Um, yeah, that was me right. watching uh, Anchorman when I finally got around oh. to watching Anchorman. I was like, you got to be kidding me! How are people thinking this is the best comedy of the '90s? It's crap yeah 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 <laughs> not laughing <laughs> make me laugh yeah, please. yeah please no it doesn't happen eh? yeah it's funny how it works sometimes people's memories of things it, it all comes down to the situation they were in at the time and the time of their life that that movie right. was screening right so if you were in a really good time of your life and you watch that movie you go yeah it was awesome but the, it wasn't actually the movie that was awesome it was your life that was awesome Wow. So think about that for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so think about that for a minute. Interestingly enough, I uh, I open up my latest issue of Entertainment Weekly, and their film critic had the uh, 2015's 10 best films so far. And so right off the bat, I'm like, oh, so Mad Max is on this list. Uh, no, 
it's not listed here, which immediately voids the entire list. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so I'm going to read you the titles of these movies. Tell me if you don't have the same reaction that I did. So okay, we have okay. So we have Inside Out. Yep, awesome. Then Amy, which uh, is an I haven't seen documentary Amy yet. Yep. Then Cobain montage of Heck, a Kurt Cobain documentary. Uh, haven't seen it. Then a film called Mommy. Nope. Then haven't a film it. called <laughs> Danny Collins. Nope, haven't seen then it. Then a film <laughs> called About Ellie. Um, I haven't even nope. heard of the last three. <laughs> no, I don't even know what these movies are. And I follow you're a movies. Movie guy. Yeah, right. you're a movie guy. Then we have a movie called It Follows, which I just watched the other day. It's a horror movie where it's um, this demon follows you after you have sex, and the only way to get oh. the demon away from you is to have sex and make it follow that person. Oh, but so if, it's getting the monkey off your back. <laughs> yes, literally. But if, but if it catches the person that you had sex with, then it comes back to you. Oh. Okay. Interesting premise, right? Yeah. Mediocre movie. Yeah. And the, only, and the only reason why I can think that people are going nuts over it is because people that like horror movies are so used to watching really bad, crappy horror movies that as soon as a mediocre one comes along, they go, oh, it was so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. Um. Anyway, uh, moving on. Uh, then they have Clouds of Sils Maria. What the hell? Timbuktu <laughs> and Red Army. So we've got uh, three documentaries, two foreign films, and the rest is indie crap except for Inside Out. I, I, would, I bet I would win this argument, which is of the nine movies not Inside Out, collectively they probably didn't even earn as much money as Inside Out made on its very first showing. <laughs> mm, probably not. Yeah, because I'd never all, heard of any of these movies. All I can think of is this is typical hipster bullshit from a movie critic who is the equivalent of when somebody goes, hey, we're going to... I don't know if you guys have Nielsen ratings, but we have what are called the Nielsen ratings, and it's uh, they monitor what uh, TV shows people are watching. And a common occurrence that would happen with this, there was two types of things, where one was they plugged a box into your TV... And it would actually yep. monitor what you did. The other was you just kept a journal, and then you mailed the journal in. Yeah. It was amazing how many people said that they watched uh, PBS, public television. Oh, really? Nobody watches. <laughs> nobody watches PBS. The only th reason yep. why they were doing it, and and what they found people were doing that did the logging was, even if it was a show that they didn't necessarily like watching, they would say that they watched it to promote it, to try and raise it up into the ether. Now, yeah. that's fine if you want to have a platform to do that with, but don't call it the best film so far. <laughs> no. <laughs> nobody wants to watch this crap. <laughs> it's not the best films. It's my best film so far. You know? uh, but like I said, <laughs> There's a word. And, and, and I it's knew this would happen with, with Mad Max, but it's, it's that typical, yeah, it got universal praise, and it's the best action movie that we've seen in a long time. Not to be witnessed at any award seasons, though. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah. And then somebody else brought up a movie that I just watched the other night also, which was called uh, Ex Machina, which is a... Oh, uh, I've heard things about that. What's that yeah, about it's again? Sci it's a sci-fi movie where a guy creates an artificial intelligence. Um, uh, he has it in a female form of a body, but you can see the the inner workings. You know, Her torso is clear, so you can see the you know, the spine and the uh, the mechanics inside and the head, it's only her, it's 
only her face. You don't, um, the rest of her, you know, she's bald and you can see into her brain basically. So, wow. That's pretty the cool. The idea, uh, what they call it is, um, there's something called the Turing effect, which is mm-hmm. how they define true AI. And that's if you're interacting with an artificial intelligence and you forget that you're interacting with the artificial intelligence, that means that the AI has passed the Turing test. Right. Cool. So the this guy gets brought to the guy that creates this, this uh, woman and is presented in front of her and he goes, well, but the problem is, is I can clearly see she's a robot. You know, she, the, she's AI. And he goes, that's, what's going to make this test even better is if you wind up not caring, if you wind up being fooled into thinking just that the real emotions and the intelligence, that's the ultimate AI. Um, yeah, and right. so it goes off into all sorts of, you know, cool sci-fi dilemma, you know, paradoxes that, uh, wind up kind of warping your mind in the end, like any good sci-fi should. Um, that was really good. And, and again, not on this list, but you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I, that sounds like one I'd like to see. I have to go put that one on the list. I actually did go and see inside out and I thought it was, I actually went with, with my wife mm-hmm. and we didn't, we did not take the kids. It's actually a strange film. It's, it's more pitched at the tweens, I think. Rather than I kids. honestly think that it's a it's a movie that is made for adults. Just happen to pretend that it's made for kids because in my boy form. Out of it, my boy came out of it going, "That was a really sad movie," and I came it out was. of it. But I came out of it going, "No, that's just called growing up." <laughs> yeah, but it was like, boy, I tell you what, Disney Pixar know how to. <laughs> I was reading tweet reviews of this, like know how to make a bitch cry. <laughs> 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 I was a goddamn suffering mess in that movie. It was I had somebody, bloody. I saw a post where somebody said, "Do you find yourself crying because your glasses are suddenly bent? You have Pixar depression syndrome." <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> yep. it's like, did you think of your grandpa and break down into tears? You're suffering from Pixar yeah. depression. <laughs> That's right, man. It's it's uh, they have some very good writers that tap into emotional s- stuff in those um, movies. Yeah, I really actually enjoyed the Pixar short before it as well, Lava, which is uh, yeah, hell, <laughs> such an earworm. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's I, every time now I have such visual cues from Inside Out where like they they get the little. Um, thought workers are walking through the um yes. the long term memory storage, and they just push one of those little balls back up into the um the control room, and it starts playing. It's a bloody jingle. Well, that's lava every like you know three hours for me. No, you don't understand. These... That's that's that is my wife to a T. Oh yeah. All of a sudden, she will start singing some commercial from the eighties. Yeah. Word for word, perfect. Yeah. And I'll be like, I'm... I remember that commercial. How do you? And she's like. I don't know, but I just, I mean, she is, there are a bazillion jingles that just pop into her head. And so then I see the yep. movie and I went, that's the reason why. Because there's a yeah, little worker the in her why. brain going, have another jingle. <laughs> yeah, a little a little worker in her brain that's wearing an iPod. <laughs> it's walking around <laughs> her brain, just just <laughs> popping random thoughts back up into the um, the control room. And yeah, that's totally me as well. So I love the the imagery that they used in Inside Out to convey the workings of the brain. I thought it was brilliant, brilliant stuff. Um, yeah, great movie. Would go and see it again probably. Um, but yeah, 
the uh, the inner workings of a what a twelve year old's brain when Riley, um, the the main character who you're yeah. seeing inside brain off, yeah, it kind of makes you go, yep, welcome to puberty, <laughs> and welcome <laughs> to you know massive change in somebody's life. This is how it affects them. So it was. I know that a couple of my friends who work in um, child services will be using this movie as a way to. Oh, help broach explain. The, yeah, help explain mm-hmm. how you're feeling about things, and it will actually help them as a tool um, to to convey those messages to the people, so um, that they help. So it's going to be great for that. Well, I always say the most interesting thing I ever found out about uh, uh, human brain development is that from, and I, I heard it from uh, Doctor Drew on Love Lines at one point. I don't know. Do you guys know who Doctor mm-hmm. Doctor Drew is? You may not know. Um, okay, I didn't think so. Uh, Dr. Drew is a uh, uh, board-certified uh, specialist in addiction, and <laughs> anyway, he there's a there's a, it started off on a radio show here locally. Um, he's gone on to national prominence. He's on uh, CNN headline news. Uh, All right, basically deals with addiction for the most part, um, but he also deals with because he's dealing with how the mind. Uh, deals with chemical interaction. He also understands uh, hormone of, yes. of, of growing teens. And so he, they did this show called Love Lines, and it would be people would call in either with their love problems or with their addiction problems. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's amazing how many times both of them were completely intertwined with each other. Um, yeah, anyway, for sure. what he highlighted was that the human brain, when it enters puberty, it has to literally rewrite itself. And mm. so there's a portion of your brain, and it's the uh, logical, long-term consequence portion of your brain that right. basically goes dormant. It shuts down right. because it has to be rewritten. And it shuts down from essentially the age of about 13 to, say, around 21. Wow. And it very, <laughs> and it, that's in a male. It might be a little earlier in a, in a female. Yes, what I it think is it replaced is. with the, the part of your brain that then takes over all those functions that it was supposed to be dealing with is the part of your brain that likes instant gratification. Uh, <laughs> right. And, yeah, that explains a lot. And the part of your and the part of your brain that has no concern for long term thinking. Yeah. So this is why all of a sudden a teen will do completely stupid things that you go that the parent goes. What were you thinking? And the quick answer was, no, I wasn't. I wasn't because I don't <laughs> because have a brain. They are physically <laughs> impossible of thinking of those things. Now, that's not to say that every person reacts the exact same way, yeah. but it is why a lot of your teens and stuff, they cannot see a future, why they think that they're going to be dead by you know 25, that they, they don't see beyond that. And then by the time they hit 21, all of a sudden that part of the brain starts functioning again because it's com- yeah. completely written. And all of a sudden they go, oh my God, I was an idiot, wasn't I? Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> and I've never yeah, exactly. forgotten that. And, and what Dr. Drew was saying was he goes, to those of you that are about to have teenage kids, just remember this. You yep. had it. Your parents dealt with it. You can, No amount of logic is going to work. You just need to guide them appropriately 
and and try and, and keep hope them away. that kill themselves. <laughs> exactly. That's that, yeah. basically yeah. Consider yourself a successful parent if your kid actually survives. You know. Yeah, that's right. Totally. <laughs> the fact that they can be a productive human afterwards is even better. But uh, yeah, that's yeah. right. Is is at a bonus, but not critical to their survival. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. So yeah, the whole idea behind Inside Out is very clever filming. And very clever writing. I really, I really do dig it. Oh man, one forty-five. That's how long we've been rabbiting on about stuff and things now. Oh, we should probably end then. Yeah, one forty-five seems like a good time, good enough time to end it. All right. Well, young, we did have an extra person in Bonzo, so I'm blaming it on him. Yeah. Hey, uh, we've uh, we failed to mention this, but our uh, our good friend uh, Mike over at Wizard Amusements, he is offering up for the tournament on July 25th the Randy Macho Man Savage Custom Shooter Rod. Uh, please enter the tournament so you have a chance to win that. But more importantly, go visit his website, wizardamusement.com. Go check out all the awesome custom shooter rods that you can buy for pinball tables. And even if you don't have a pinball table, they still look pretty groovy sitting on your desk. So get to that. Sorry yeah, we saved sure. it for the end, Mike, but, you know, <laughs> at least we got it out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, next time uh, we will have part two of the forum questions with Bobby. And beyond that, I'm not sure what we will talk about, but I guarantee you we'll figure out something. So, oh, that's right. Thank you to Jared Morgan for showing up. Thank you to Bonzo to showing up. Maybe we'll be able to calm some of the other guys to uh, pop in next time. We shall see. I'm Shut Your Trap. You've been listening to the Blockade Podcast. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Remember to leave a review on iTunes or any podcasting channel Blockade is distributed through. We can't improve unless you tell us how. Until next time, remember... You have been terminated. Have a nice day.